back to the program, friends. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on this Tuesday evening, February 28th. And it is the February, it is the 29th of February for me here in Japan, and it is that special leap day here. So it only comes once every four, day, four years. Let's make the most of it. So to all of you, thank you once again for tuning in for tonight's program. No guest on the program tonight. I'm going to be going over a topic that I think is worth going over, but if you want to break up the sound of my monotonous voice, by all means, we'll open up the phone lines. Anything you want to talk about tonight, 1-800-313-9443 will get you in the conversation, and, uh, and again, you can bring up whatever points might be on your mind. But something that's on my mind tonight is something that I've wanted to go over on the program for a while, and this uh, new article from EndTheLie.com gives me an excuse to do so. GE paid just 2.3% in federal taxes over last 10 years on more than $81 billion in profits. And yes, once again, that's $81 billion in pure profit over the last 10 years. That's eight over $8 billion a year in profit and GE paid just 2.3% taxes on it. Reading from that article, again, available at endthelie.com, thanks to tax loopholes and deductions, General Electric, GE, was able to pay a mere 2.3% in federal taxes on over $81 billion in profits over the last 10 years, according to analysis of the corporation's tax filings conducted by Citizens for Tax Justice. The Citizens for Tax Justice, a nonpartisan watchdog group, said that GE's latest filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission revealed that they were far under the supposed 35% corporate tax rate. GE was able to rob taxpayers blind during years when their profits declined, all while paying taxes at a rate far below what most hardworking American individuals are saddled with. And I'll let you go on and read that, the rest of that article for yourselves. Um, some good information in there. And it is important to be keeping an eye on this type of thing. I don't think it's going to be particularly surprising to anyone out there who has their head in the game and knows how this game is played and who's really writing the rules. But I think it goes to serve the over, uh, to demonstrate the overall point that there is a different, a completely different set of rules for those at the top and those who are in on the game versus those like you and me who are struggling to make ends meet and pay the bills every month. We are uh, absolutely saddled with all of these rules, regulations, and loopholes, and we have to pay ridiculous amounts of tax and uh, seemingly ever greater amounts of tax for ever-diminishing services, while the people at the very top making literally billions and billions of dollars per year pay practically nothing, basically peanuts on their earnings, because, of course, they can just afford to game the system. And to a certain extent, this is the type of narrative that might play into a certain left-wing type ideology that we might see from the usual left-wing proponents in the phony left-right political paradigm. Oh, it's the corporations that are just gaming the uh, the system. What we need to do is something like, uh, you know, Buffett and those types of people are arguing, we need to just pay more taxes for, you know, we need to raise taxes on the very rich, and that'll help solve everything. If they just paid their fair share, then everything would be magically better, because government is always the answer. Of course, I assume if you're listening to this broadcast, you are probably not among the people who would think that and who aren't looking for the mummy or daddy government to come in and save the day and realize that it is not, in fact, the corporations that are running everything. It is not the government that's running everything. It is the combination of the corporations and the government which crop each other up and create the system that offers the supposed left-right choice, which is no choice at all. 
Obama, is Bush, is Romney, is Santorum. They're all in the same big statist boat. And if we join them in that boat, we're going to go down like the Titanic. So tonight on the program, I'm going to go over a bunch of articles that I've accrued over the years on the subject of corporatocracy and the ruling corporate elite. Once again, 1-800-313-9443, anything you want to bring in to tonight's conversation. So stay tuned right there. We'll be right back. You just do as you're here on Corbett Report Radio. Thank you once again for tuning in for tonight's broadcast here on republicbroadcasting.org. Blasting out on KHFX 1140 AM in Dallas-Fort Worth and around the world live streaming at republicbroadcasting.org. So if you haven't taken advantage of that before, please do so. At any rate, we are uh, here tonight and we're going through the corporatocracy, the idea that there are there is a corporate elite at the top that is uh, that is running and puppeteering the government that uh, we think is making the rules. In fact, I would refine that definition a little bit. I think that might be too naive. In fact, I do think that is too naive. I don't think it's necessarily corporations per se that are puppeteering the government per se. I think it's a confluence of corporations and government, and they're really being puppeteered for, by, behind the scenes by the banksters, and then they're being puppeteered by whoever is behind the banksters. So, again, we can get lost in the looking for the head of the hydra rather than attar- attacking the heart of the beast. I think it's a multi-headed hydra, and one of those heads is absolutely these giant corporations like GE, which we mentioned in the last segment, paid 2.3% tax on $81 billion in profits over the last 10 years. And again, the point of that isn't to say, well, I think... I think people, the rich people, need to spend is pay more taxes. The point is to say that there is completely different sets of rules for the uh, the corporate elite than there is for you or I, and that that's really the injustice there. That's the point, and that's just to show that the entire game is rigged. And then they get a sled, a spun off into these false debates about, oh well, then I think that means that uh, Buffett and Soros and those should pay more taxes. No, I don't think that's the point, because all that does is give more uh, money to the trough for government to dole out to their corporate buddies. And that's how the game works. They uh, they collect the taxes from from you and I, and then, oh yeah, also from the super rich elite who are so generous, so why don't you raise our taxes? But it's really just to dole them out in various different ways, schemes, and programs to the corporations themselves. It's a corporate government fascist state. And once again, that is going back to the very roots of that term, fascist, because we use it in everyday speech today just to mean sort of a, uh, it's another name for right-winger in that phony left-right political paradigm so that Bush was a fascist and Obama is a commie, when really when you start peeling back the layers of the onion, you find that Bush is Obama. They're the exact same. They're working for the same team. They're just coming at it from different sides of the management arm, but it works in the exact same way to benefit the exact same people. So uh, I think if, if we get the terminology right, we can clear up a lot of these arguments that we get into from the uh, from people who are 
essentially in the same position as us. I mean, don't you think it's interesting how effectively they've been able to to put us into these two camps, broadly speaking, the left and the right, and get us to fight with each other incessantly so that we constantly keep electing the same political puppets, whether it's a puppet on the left or a puppet on the right, and the society keeps heading in the same direction, but we kept get, keep getting uh, stuck into these debates. Oh, well, we can't let that puppet on the right win. We must vote for the puppet on the left, even though he's doing all the exact same things we hated under the puppet under the right, and vice versa, etc., etc. Again, if you're listening to this broadcast, you probably already know all about that game. But tonight I want to look more at some specific uh, ways in which the corporations are well, uh, really running things uh, to a large extent and are allowed to do so, obviously. And one interesting example is currently emerging. It's something that's actually happening as someone actually knocks on my door here in Japan. (laughs) Uh, The wonders of uh, broadcasting from your home. At any rate, uh, we're looking at Cryptagon.com, and uh, they had a new uh, uh, article called WikiLeaks Strat for Emails, and it was posted February 27, 2012. And uh, and uh, if you haven't heard of this story yet, I, I str- truly suggest you get on it because uh, it's it's extremely interesting to see this information coming out. Basically, in a nutshell, the backstory is that there was a uh, there was a, a leak or not a leak, a hack, I suppose, of some sort that supposedly took place of the Strat4 uh, servers a couple of months ago now, and it was attributed broadly at the time to anonymous, which. I, I don't know if it's sloppy journalism and just uh, uh, we'll just attribute anything that happens on the web to some shadowy group that no one exactly knows what it is, or whether you know there's specific uh, sources that they could cite to say that this was anonymous. But at any rate, a couple of months ago, anonymous hacked Stratfor's email uh, servers, and uh, and WikiLeaks now is supposedly releasing those emails, and I think it's going to be uh, another one of those release a few at a time in a little dribble here and there, which is all part of the WikiLeaks, what I think is a sideshow and a circus to a large extent. Um, does anyone remember the big Bank of America release they were going to do and then never happened? And, and all of the other things and shenanigans that they've been up to. And again, I'm sure many of you are well-versed in Assange and the, the whole shadiness of that affair. And I certainly have had my reservations about it. Although broadly speaking, I think it's uh, worrying the uh, the ways that uh, that Assange and others have been at the very least, hunted down publicly, uh, whatever deals there may have been behind the scenes, the way that uh, that Assange was targeted and Manning have been targeted is clearly, I mean, com- completely just to set a, a precedent that this can be done to any person in the future who has any real information that really wants to get leaked. And once again, there's lots of indications about the things that WikiLeaks has that they didn't leak, they chose not to leak. The idea of pay for play, if you pay us, we won't uh, leak this or that. And uh, that's been raised many times. And I've been through that in various uh, things that I've done before. But this Strat4 email thing is still developing. So uh, who knows? Maybe there will be some very interesting things coming out of it. And it's interesting because if you don't know about Strat4, they're this company that uh, provides global intelligence uh, for for intelligence officials and, and uh, people around the world. Uh, even governments uh, use their reports to try to figure out what's going on in various fronts. And uh, they're, they're basically their MO is to say, well, we have all of these um, sources and contacts in various countries, and we have intelligence contacts and things, so we can get uh, reliable intelligence reports about various breaking global uh, stories. So the, uh, now WikiLeaks is releasing their internal emails, and, uh, and there's some interesting things coming out in the wash here about how this uh, corporate uh, strat for 
global intelligence system functions. And, uh, and I'll just read a little bit from this uh, Cryptagon post, which is via WikiLeaks. It says, uh, today, Monday, 27th of February, WikiLeaks began publishing the global intelligence files, more than 5 million emails from the Texas headquartered global intelligence company Stratfor. The emails date from between July 2004 and late December 2011. And they reveal the inner workings of a company that fronts as an intelligence publisher, but provides confidential intelligence services to large corporations such as Bhopal's Dow Chemical Co., Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, and government agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Marines, the U.S. DIA. Uh, the emails show Stratfor's web of informers, payoff structure, payment laundering techniques, and psychological methods. For example, here's a quote from one of the emails. You have to take control of him. Control means financial, sexual, or psychological control. This is intended to start a conversation on your next phase. And that's from the CEO of Stratfor, George Friedman, to an analyst, uh, Reva Bala, uh, on the 6th of December 2011, so just two months ago, on how to exploit an Israeli intelligence informant who is providing information on the medical condition of President uh, Hugo Chavez of Venezuela. So that's just a tiny little example of some of the things that, uh, that this company has been up to. And to me, it's at the very least, what is interesting about this is the way that it shines a light on the way that corporations are, in effect, really their own governments unto themselves. And the largest corporations, I mean, it's an oft-cited fact that 50 of the largest 100 economies in the world are, in fact, now corporations, not even countries. They are actually larger than the uh, than, than some of the largest countries in terms of their GDP, if we can measure it that way. But it's uh, it's extremely interesting to see the way large companies develop into these these kind of self-governing uh, bodies that are uh, what are they? I mean, they don't have uh, they don't have borders. They they are transnational corporations, of course, kind of bleed across the globe and can affect their uh, wreak their havoc anywhere and exert their influence anywhere. So uh, they're really beholden to things like the WTO. But of course, the WTO isn't isn't a government. It isn't a, a structure that you or I or anyone else we know has any say over whatsoever. It's something that's been set up expressly for these multinational corporations to continue and to expand their monopolies and their their consolidation of power. So so it's extremely interesting to take a look at this Stratfor as a kind of microcosm of that. And it's interesting because one thing that has leaked out time and time again is that some of the biggest corporations on the planet have their own intelligence agencies, not just Stratfor, which kind of specializes in that. That's their, their raison d'etre. But, uh, but there are companies that actually have their own intelligence services. So I'm going to point you to a very interesting article that was put up on the Mail on Sunday website uh, back in 2007 and was almost immediately taken down. It's been scrubbed from their website and, uh, and you won't find it there. But luckily, there were some independent websites that managed to save a copy of the article before it was scrubbed forever, which, by the way, if you're not doing so already, I highly suggest you do uh, with all of the interesting articles you see because you never know when they'll get scrubbed, whether that's because the editors realize that they've uh, spilled something they shouldn't have spilt or uh, or whether it's the government coming along with their PIPA, SOPA, ACTA, whatever four-letter word you want to throw at it, uh, threatening to take down, well, basically anything these days. So once again, if you're not saving articles when you read them, I don't know what you're doing because you cannot rely on it being there on the web tomorrow. The title, the headline of this article is Hookers, Spies, Cases Full of, full of Dollars, 
how BP spent 45 million pounds to win Wild East oil rights. And just for some uh, some uh, ex- uh, some con- context for that, 45 million pounds, we're talking roughly 90 million dollars. So uh, a, a significant amount of money for um, for uh, basically what amounted to a supposed bribery type operation. Although it goes much, much deeper than that and actually shows that BP is really this type of government unto itself, which has its own intelligence collection agency and uh, its own spies working for it and all of this shady, shady things that, uh, that obviously was too much for the mail on Sunday, so they took it down almost immediately. But it's still up on the web. I'll show you where to get it, and I'll start reading a little bit of that article for you when we get back from this break. Once again, it's awfully lonely here talking to myself. If you want to get in on tonight's conversation, 1-800-313-9443. You know it's time to get the fast tricks, prosecutors, Freemasons, and all the people in the shadows, as you see us, match their blows. The hour of illumination, few and unknown, many and known. It's all obscure. All right, friends, we're here in the sign of the octopus, as that song puts it, and we are t- tonight talking about the corporations that would deem to rule over us and all of their multifaceted uh, uh, behind-the-scenes machinations to exert their control over us in oh so many ways. And uh, again, as I say, I'm about to get into a pretty interesting article that once again was scrubbed from the web as quickly as it was put up, but not before several independent websites managed to copy it and host it now to this very day. So we'll get into that in a moment. But first, I'm happy to say that we have Chris Porter of the Canadian Action Party on the line and for people who don't know, I have uh, talked to Chris on uh, CorbettReport.com before, so it's good to have him here on the radio show. Chris, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, James. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, what's what, what's on your mind tonight? Well, tonight I'm sitting beside Lawrence McCurry, and we're actually running for the Toronto Danforth by-election here at uh, March 19th in Canada. And it's for the opposition leader's seat, uh, Jack Layton, who passed away last year. So we're definitely uh, interested in always hearing your message and want to know, let you know that uh, we're carrying that message right to the polls uh, on March 19th. Well, that is so exciting to hear. That's great to hear, injecting some real issues into these fake political arguments that uh, they want to steer us into. So it's great to hear that. And, of course, for the American listeners and other people around the world who might be listening in right now, uh, of course, the NDP New Democrat Party leader Jack Layden died last year, and uh, his seat is now up for, for a by-election. So it is uh, good to hear that there will be a real uh, a political alternative running in that uh, by-election, which otherwise would just be a circus sideshow. But for people who don't know about uh, the Canadian Action Party, why don't you tell them about uh, what it is you, uh, you guys stand for? Well, we're a nationalist party that wants to ensure that uh, we believe that the easiest way to fight globalization is to keep the issues local and make sure the people of the countries take uh, hold of their assets and take uh, these corporate greedy banksters and uh, executives to court and uh, held them in contempt for stealing our nation from us. So our primary purpose is to reinstore the Bank of Canada. Canada is very fortunate that we still own a bank, and um, it's still on the books as a crown corporation, and there's, of course, always the debates of what a crown corporation, but citizens must take 
the knowledge that uh, we have the shares to the Bank of Canada, and uh, we have not uh, executed our ability to use it to create money for our economy. And Canada now is in debt up to $170 million of interest each and every day that we paid to these private banking institutions. It has to stop. That works out to be half a million dollars for each riding. So for the riding of Toronto Danforth, that would be half a million dollars for an electorate of 90,000. So this is what we're bringing into the, the debates. Our first debate is coming up here at March 1st. And uh, they better be ready because we're ready. And when's the uh, by-election actually taking place? It's on March 19th. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to give you an email, and we'll set up a, a time for you to come on the radio show or perhaps on CorbettReport.com to talk more about that before that happens, because I, uh, I definitely want to spread the word. Okay. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate Excellent. it. All right. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, excellent. Great. Great to hear that. As I say, it's important to get uh, as many perspectives as possible, and especially not from the uh, the controlled left-right uh, political puppet theater that they like to put out in front of us. So uh, great to hear that, and uh, thank you so much to to yourself and to Lawrence for listening in tonight. And uh, we also have Jorge from El Paso on the line. So Jorge, thank you for calling in tonight. What's on your mind? Uh, you're talking about uh, uh, hello first, uh, James. Uh, you're talking about corporations and. There is something very interesting that can quantify the the, um, the growth of um, the corporations. Um, ever since I was in, in in college up to now, say in the last twenty uh, something years, there has been um, a, a series of mergings between the big companies. And uh, just just look at, um, for instance, look at the chemical companies, um, and you you will see how. Some companies have been swallowing some other companies, and you can keep track of that uh, all the way to the point where now there are only four that are the big uh, the big companies. So um, this is a, a measure that can be taken into account when you look at um, how corporations um, evolve. Exactly right, 100% right, and that goes to the very heart of the core of the issue because, again, the part of the issue here is free market and free competition versus these increasingly expanding monopolies that are really taking over everything and consolidating all that power in a very, very tiny few hands at the very top. And as you say, we can actually track that in so many different ways. And the classical one is to take a look at media consolidation, where there used to be locally owned newspapers, locally owned radio stations, locally owned TV stations. But now, increasingly, there are, well, six and now five and four, and eventually there'll just be one massive media corporation ruling over America and everything that everyone reads, sees, hears. I mean, it's it's such an incredible control over the mind. But as you say, it's taking place in so many different industries right now. And another way of looking at... Um uh, uh, kind of a reaction to all of that is uh, to look at what has happened uh, on the opposite side. For instance, in Argentina, the workers taking over some of the factories. Exactly right. It's part of the dialectic, and uh, we're supposed to choose one side or another instead of looking for the real alternatives. But, uh, Jorge, excellent points. Thank you for calling in. And we will be back with more Corporate Report Radio right after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
All right, friends, we're back here on Corbett right, Report Radio. And as Dan Dix of Press for Truth talks over me, uh, welcome back to the program. And tonight we are going over corporatocracy, fascism, whatever you want to call it. It's the corporations working hand in glove with the governments that are propping them up and making them possible, ruling over the population. Once again, this is not to say that free free markets and free enterprise and free competition is not a good thing. That's certainly not the point of tonight's episode. Tonight, I'm really just trying to point out the ways that uh, that government uses its big stick to uh, to beat us down and to make sure that the, the corporations that uh, are in bed with them get to rule over us in any way they see fit. And as I say, there are so many different aspects to this. And there are so many different things I'd like to get through tonight. I'm sure we will only get through a handful of them. But one that I really wanted to get to uh, tonight was this article, which I've been building up for a couple of segments now. It's called Hookers, Spies, Cases Full of Dollars, How BP Spent 45 Million Pounds to Win Wild East Oil Rights. And as I say, it was originally posted to the Mail on Sunday back in May of 2007, but immediately taken down, but not before it was copied to many different websites. So I will provide a link to informationclearinghouse.info in the show notes for tonight's episode at corbettreport.com slash radio so that you can go and read it for yourself. But let me read just a little bit of this. It says, quote, BP executives working for Lord Brown spent millions of pounds on champagne-fueled sex parties to help secure lucrative international oil contracts. The company also worked with MI6 to help bring about changes in foreign governments, according to an astonishing account of life inside the oil giant. Les Abrams, who led BP's successful bid for a multi-million pound deal with one of the former Soviet republics, today claims that Brown, who was forced to resign as chief executive last month after the collapse of legal proceedings against the Mail on Sunday, presided over an anything-goes regime of sexual license, spying, and financial sweeteners. He also claims that Home Secretary John Reed was arrested at gunpoint on a BP-funded foreign trip for being out on the streets after a military curfew had been imposed. Mr. Abrahams tells how he spent £45 million in expenses over just four months of negotiations with Azerbaijan's state oil company. Armed with a no-limit company credit card, he ordered supplies of champagne and caviar to be flown on company jets into the boomtown capital, Baku, to be consumed at the sex parties. The hospitality continued in London, where prostitutes were hired on the BP credit card to entertain visiting Azerbaijanis. Mr. Abrahams, an engineer by training, joined BP in 1991, just as the disintegration of the Soviet Union had triggered a new gold rush by oil multinationals seeking a share of the 200 billion barrels of oil reserves beneath the Caspian Sea. While employed by BP, Mr. Abrahams says he was persuaded to work for MI6 by John Scarlett, now head of the service, but then its head of station in Moscow. And etc. 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 Again, this is a very lengthy, very detailed report. All sorts of salacious details, which of course is what's hyped and put up at the front of that article, in true Mail on Sunday style. But the, I think the real point of this and the underlying uh, theme of this is the way that the company and MI6 were working together and had their own sort of intelligence operation going on in these. Uh, oil-rich nations that are bordering the Caspian Sea, part of that extremely lucrative region, which to this day is not only still a very important region for companies like BP and foreign governments, but increasingly is really one of the key pieces on the global chessboard, as unfortunately as Big New Brzezinski has turned it and as he writes about at great length. 
And I've uh, done a series of reports about that for BoilingFrogsPost.com eye-opener reports, which, uh, which of course, are only available to subscribers for the first three weeks. But uh, these reports were months ago, so you can now watch them for free on BoilingFrogsPost.com. And I highly suggest you do, talking about pipeline politics and all of the, uh, the various ways that that region of the globe, Azerbaijan and all of those nations, are so important right now. And uh, we're likely to see more and more a, a focus of international attention as things un, un, inevitably start to heat, heat up there as, uh, as regimes that are not friendly to Western interests are taken down, just as we see going on in Syria right now and uh, other places. But anyway, that, uh, that story, I think, is important for getting some grasp on the types of things that go on and are eventually re- revealed, but then, of course, immediately taken down and never talked about again. And it's interesting to see, after all of that kerfuffle over the BP and uh, the oil spill, no one was really talking about stories like that, revealing some of the, uh, the real, absolute, incredible things that were going on behind the scenes in that company. But, uh, again, this, this is something that tends to get some amount of coverage, but only from a certain angle. So, for example, Financial Times, that uh, bastion of, of British financial reporting that, uh, that basically toes the, uh, the, the party line, so to speak, overall, and just uh, talks about the, the financial news that you and I and the other plebs are supposed to know about. Well, they'll uh, occasionally cover stories like this. So back in June of 2007, they had a story, BAE secretly paid Saudi prince, which notes BAE systems, BAE systems paid more than 100 million pounds a year to Saudi Arabia's former ambassador to Washington over more than a decade in connection with Britain's biggest ever defense contract, according to British media reports. So again, this, this type of thing comes out from time to time, 100 million pounds a year. That's 200 million bucks a year. Uh, to this Saudi Arabian ambassador to uh, to basically secure some contracts. Incredible amount, mind-boggling amounts of money, but it's generally portrayed as a type of greed and corruption issue instead of what it really starts to indicate, which is at a certain point, all of these political puppets are bought and paid for by the co- corporations. And again, that's something that is generally fairly well covered in left-wing, quote-unquote, alternative media or media in general, where they like to point out such things as uh, the, the Monsanto revolving door in government, and that's extremely important to do so. It's important to know that the people who are in positions of power in the government to regulate these types of biotechnologies and GMO monstrosities are the very people who were formerly and then once again working with companies like Monsanto in order to bring about all this very agenda. So it's important to point things out like that, but rather than keeping it to some ineffectual left-wing critique of, oh, well, they're, they're terrible, but, but the government is generally good and we need stronger government to take care of it. No, the point is that the government is part of the cancer. You Again, you can't remove a, a cancer halfway, as, as people like Stefan Molyneux and others have pointed out. The point is to get rid of it entirely. So we have to start looking for, for solutions that don't rely on more government, more taxation, more imp- enforcement, more regulation. What we need is to, to make sure that the corporations and the government are eliminated by our withdrawing from them. Nothing violent, no big revolution that's going to uh, come at the point of a gun and somehow liberate us. It's our withdrawing from the system that will make the system completely and utterly meaningless. They can tell you that they have authority over you, but it, they only do if you go along with it. And the point is to to build up the communities at the local level that will be the communities that will see us through these uh, these very trying times. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying it's going to be a long and difficult process of building up the types of communities we want to see. But really, that's the only way to do it. We can't continue to 
give these corporations our time and attention because uh, ultimately they will uh, they will do what they want as long as they exist in this system this fabric of uh, of society and government and everything that we see around us which has been woven specifically for their benefit and has been done has been so for well, at least a century and a half since the big oil robber barons and industrial magnates of the 19th century began amassing their incredible, mind-boggling fortunes. And, uh, of course, we can talk about the Rockefellers and the Morgans and all of those uh, usual suspects. But uh, just one more aspect of this I want to go over uh, before we uh, head to some more calls. I wanted to go over the DynCorp scandal. This is one of the ones that has been covered, again, in the me- in the alternative media and has been c- touched on by some, some you know, quote-unquote respectable mainstream media like the Chicago Tribune. But, but again, it's one of those issues that comes up and then gets swept under the rug. So, of course, DynCor uh, and uh, Halliburton subsidiary KBR have been linked to sex trafficking, uh, even child human trafficking uh, in the past. And again, these are documented allegations. There's a Chicago Tribune report, U.S. stalls on human trafficking. Pentagon has yet to ban contractors from using forced labor and it says, uh, this is from 2005, and this uh, article says, three years ago, President Bush declared that he had zero t- tolerance for trafficking in humans by the government's overseas contractors. And two years ago, Congress mandated a similar policy. But notwithstanding the President's statement and the Congressional edict, the Defense Department has yet to adopt a policy to bar human trafficking. A proposal prohibiting defense contractor involvement in human trafficking for forced prostitution and labor was drafted by the Pentagon last summer, but five defense lobbying groups oppose key provisions, and a final policy still appears to be months away, according to those involved in Defense Department records. The lobbying groups oppose the plan, say they're in favor of the idea in principle, but said they believe that implementing key portions of it overseas is unrealistic. They represent thousands of firms, including some of the industry's biggest names, such as DynCorp International and Halliburton subsidiary KBR, both of which have been linked to trafficking-related concerns. Once again, that's uh, Chicago Tribune, and you can go and read that entire article to get more of the background. Uh, there are other uh, things that have been covering this, again, for, for a decade now. Back in 2002, CorpWatch.org had uh, this one on DynCorp. U.S. sex scandal still haunts DynCorp, talking about uh, DynCorp hiring uh, peacekeepers, peace officers for Bosnia-Herzegovina on behalf of the State Department, who were later uh, charged with tr- uh, human trafficking. And the State Department turns around and hires them right once again, no problem, to go into Iraq. So a $22 million contract uh, for, on top of their horrific, unbelievable scandal. And uh, and it continues like a nightmare. It just can, keeps going on. Um, in April 2003, scandal hit U.S. firm, wins key contracts, talking again about DynCorp. And uh, it continues again uh, back in 2010. It's deja vu for DynCorp all over again talking again about some of the more salacious details of some of the things they've been involved in. And uh, just, it keeps going on and on and on. And this company, like so many others, keeps dancing around all these rules and regulations that somehow just fail to stop this type of uh, thing from going on. And for anyone who's seen, for example, uh, Cynthia McKinney, former congresswoman from Georgia, and her incredible lambasting of Rumsfeld back in the defense appropriation uh, hearings uh, back in 2006, will know that she was one of the very, very few to bring up some of these issues about DynCorp child trafficking and, and why DynCorp continues to get uh, to get funding from the, the Pentagon and, and some of these real issues. She brought them up in real congressional hearings and really grilled Rumsfeld, and including about the uh, missing trillions before 9-11. And all of these 
incredible subjects that no one else in Congress dares to bring up. And so, of course, she was railroaded out of office shortly thereafter. Uh, no surprise there for anyone who knows how the system works. And once again, that's a good reason not to play ball with the system in any way, just to withdraw our time, energy, and attention from them, and most specifically to uh, hit them where it hurts in the pocketbooks because the corporations continue to make their billions and billions and billions of dollars because we continue to buy their garbage products that we don't need. So I'll leave you to ponder that for a second, but we have Ernie in Indiana waiting patiently on the line. So, Ernie, thanks for calling in tonight. Well, it's nice to talk to you again, James. I'm going to keep it short this time. It seems to be an an international culture of, of, of corporate cronyism and crime. Well, that's that's pretty much the thesis of tonight. I, I, I think you're exactly right on that, but it maybe that doesn't go far enough because people tend to think of oh, it's it's crime, it's a few bad apples, but uh, but they don't tend to look at the overall way that the entire structure has been built up to allow this to happen, specifically to make it happen. Well, you it's, you can't argue that point because if you turn on the TV set that has the corporate commercials and all the rest of that stuff. It, it really it doesn't really help the, the ordinary Joe figure out his way out of this problem. Everyone's chasing tails of being able to focus their attention on this problem, give it some serious thought. Well, that's the point, right? Because my point is that it's a revolution of the mind that's going to change anything, and they want to control your mind by giving you the uh, the, the phony opposition. So they'll they'll show outrage over certain stories, but they they won't tell you anything about how to fundamentally change the system or how to get yourself off of this system and how to stop stop buying the products from these corporations that are enslaving us more and more. Or even better would be to have some of the. Um some of, some of the uh, guys on the opposite side were the fence. Rich guys coming out and saying, yeah, it's, you guys you guys at the bottom are going to have to fix this. There's nothing at the top that we can do. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not holding my breath for uh, Murdoch yeah, and either. some of these people to come out and do that, but, but certainly, I mean, that's what we need, isn't it? And some of that can be pieced together, like some are, are want to do by... Um, putting people in time, places, and situations and having written records of it. And with you bringing up the fact that um, Rumsfeld did get raked over the coals about these issues, and that stands on public record. Absolutely. That's all I got. And we have to, yeah, well, I, I think you're right. I mean, we have to support people like, uh, like, uh, Ms. McKinney who brought that up and, and, and continue to press on that because as they showed, I mean, someone like, uh, Congresswoman McKinney can just get thrown out of office and everything will truck along just fine. And Rumsfeld, ultimately, if you watch the clip, he ended up not really answering any of her questions. He just said, Oh, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get back to you. And, and it just goes away into the ether, which of course is what's going to happen. The point is to put pressure on them and, and not to let them stop, or even better, as I say, to withdraw all of our time, attention, and support from that system. Right. However, monitoring the local airwaves, I'm, I'm near Chicago, there is an out RT on one of the stations. Can you say that again? There was a what? I said that over the public airwaves on that digital system, there's an RT feed on one of the stations. Oh, really? But you might like to know that, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Well, 
It's, it just goes to show. And again, I don't think any one particular outlet is the uh, the be-all and savior of all of this. I think there must be a lot of different ones because everyone has their own slant and their own their own agenda to bring to the table. But uh, but it is good to see at least diversification in that because as uh, as our previous caller was talking about, it's the uh, the media consolidation and the consolidation in so many different industries, which which is the power base that they feed from. So so Ernie, I appreciate your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you very much, James. Thank you for calling in. Yes, indeed. So, uh, so again, it just keeps going on and on, and I, I don't think I need to detail it in so much detail. I think all of you know of uh, various different examples. There are millions out there, but it does just keep getting creepier and creepier, especially as the uh, the technologies at the at the beck and call of these corporations continues to expand. So we have this particularly disturbing story from last month about a company hoarding license plate data on U.S. drivers. And this is from ABC News, and they're talking about uh, how there's this company in California that is collecting um, a license plate records on innocent and criminal drivers, i.e. absolutely anyone, and uh, is th- storing that data. And, of course, they're going to sell the data about, you know, what car showed up where and who it is owned by. And, and uh, that type of information is the type of information that is increasingly becoming for sale to the highest bidder. And, of course, we've seen that through uh, Facebook and Google and other uh, places like that that basically rely on their entire strategy is to try to get as much information about you as possible and put it in a nice, wrap it in a nice bow for uh, for advertisers. Of course, that's only one layer of the onion. Once you get drilled down past that layer and the, the greed principle, it's the, uh, the complete control that they have over you with all of that knowledge. But, uh, but we'll come back to, to wrap things up and once again put it in a positive spin on this about what you can do right after this. Vietnamese in Vietnam, Iraq is in a rocky land. We bombed them all. White phosphorus. We bombed them all. We bombed them all, and uh, mostly due to the giant corporations that uh, that sell the bombs to the government. And it's all one big happy family where they uh, they just continue to feed on each other. The government makes the uh, the laws, and they make the wars, and the, the corporations are only too happy to feed it. And uh, it's been talked about now ad nauseum for well. 50 years at least when we go back to uh, the uh, Eisenhower and talking about the uh, the military industrial complex i mean we we know about this and it's not something that's uh, that's brand new but the uh, it just continues to get worse and worse as we continue to play out and everyone knows about companies like blackwater and all of the various things that they've gotten up to in the various years and uh, and oh yes they continue to change their names and try to do uh, various things so that they can Get out of the spotlight, but uh, but it doesn't really work. And and uh, <laughs> now they're I, I think they're changing their name to something called Academy with an I now, and uh, and still trying to escape their legacy. But they will forever be known as Blackwater, no matter what they change their name to. And as I was mentioning before the break, as the technology continues to expand, the companies can do more and more incredible things. And I don't mean incredible in a good way. And uh, and uh, one listener sent in an, an article recently about uh, Sony, and uh, Sony has figured out how to charge you specifically for using a power outlet. And this is from Geek.com, and it's talking about how they've got, created this new type of power uh, device so for your laptop or your whatever that can actually read that that it is you and your specific ID or serial number or whatever it is that is using the power from even a public outlet. So you go to a, 
a store or your a public place or wherever it is and you plug in your laptop, it knows that it is you so that uh, whoever gets the energy bill could actually theoretically track you down and bill you for it or something like that. And, of course, this is just a brand-new technology and hasn't really rolled out yet, but it is certainly on the way. And as we see the smart grid developing and all of the horrors around that, uh, unfortunately, we're going to see more and more of this type of invasive technology once again, the corporations are all too happy to supply it for whatever government is willing to put your tax dollars to work for it. So, um, as I say, it's a system that feeds on itself. And there are many false solutions given to this. So people will try to argue, oh, we need more government to try to repress the corporations more. But, of course, the corporations are being fed by these very governments that are supposed to be uh, taking care of them. And the people on the left will say, well, that's just... Uh, that's just a contingent thing. No, in reality, in, in the, the perfect reality, we'd have these wonderful angels descended from heaven to run everything, and they'd be the ones in charge of the government, and they'd be they'd know exactly what to do and exactly how to keep us safe from these big, scary corporations. But that's just the pipe dream that the corporations themselves want to sell you so that you'll go for the big government, which creates the big trough, which creates the big corporate welfare, which feeds the corporations and allows the corporations to write the bills for the lobbyists who then convince the congressmen to vote for them that institute rules that are for the good of the corporations. And I hope that's not too much to take in at once. Maybe you should record this and, and play it slowly a few times. But that's basically how it works, and that's the way the system is gamed from top to finish. Top to bottom, I should say. But as I say, the real solution here and the real way to, to get around this is to withdraw ourselves from their system. No matter what they do, all of this corporate greed and profit and, and all shenanigans that get played only exists because we continue to feed them. We feed them our time, we feed them our attention, and most importantly for this system, we feed them our money. So withdraw your money, withdraw your time, withdraw your attention from these big corporations. That is the start of the solution. I'm not saying it's a fix-all. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. But we have to start building up our communities and the communities of like-minded people who understand what's going on. We have to take the power back into our own hands. I know I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it again. The people do have the power. We can implement solutions that matter. On that note going to leave you there we have an exciting guest lined up for tomorrow i'll let you tune in tomorrow to find out who it is but until then thank you so much for tuning in and take care